Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. This is your host, Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 188. And today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. So if you want to get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audible.com, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from uh, for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And if you missed that uh, link, don't worry. You can go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and you can click on the link on our sponsor page or it's to the right of the, on the main page. So thank you to audible.com for sponsoring this week's podcast. Now, on to the podcast. Who am I talking with today? I had sat down with the lovely Jennifer Green Wilson. Jennifer is a principal of the Institute for Business Literacy and Leadership, also referred to as the Leadership Institute. She is formerly the director of the Institute for Leadership and Physical Therapy for HPA The Catalyst, which is part of the APTA, the American Physical Therapy Association, and we talk a little bit about that in our conversation today and as well as a member of the Private Practice Section Education Committee, also part of the APTA. And she's recently serving as a director on the board of directors of the APTA. She speaks nationally and internationally on topics related to leadership, business literacy, and management in healthcare, and has been invited to submit short articles for APTA's Business Sense Section, try and say that five times fast, of PT in Motion, and was awarded a national research grant from the HPA section in 2009. And we talk about that grant um, during our conversation. She also serves as vice chair of the board of directors of Rochester Hearing and Speech Center in Rochester, New York. She holds an EDD degree in executive leadership from St. John Fisher College in Rochester, an MBA degree from Rochester Institute of Technology, and a BS in physical therapy from Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. So it's quite a resume, and I was really excited to have her on. And in today's episode, we talk all about leadership. So we talk about what she feels are the top four qualities that are essential for a good leader. And these are this is, this is all stuff that's been tried and true and tested. So what qualities do you think a good leader should have? Great conversation. We talk about how she goes about cultivating those qualities in her clients. We talk about her doctorate in executive leadership and her dissertation, which was on practice management in the entry-level education. So should we be teaching practice management business? Should we be teaching leadership skills? Uh, and we have a nice conversation about that. Um, she gives a lot of references. I'm going to have them all in my newsletter that comes out tomorrow, which is Tuesday. So if you're not signed up for, new for the newsletter and you want to get all these references, definitely sign up for the newsletter. And you can do that at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and just sign up. No spam, I promise. Um, so we had a great conversation, leadership in healthcare and physical therapy, and then on Thursday, we kind of continue our talk. It gets a little juicier on Thursday, so make sure you tune in for the Thursday quickie as well. And I want to thank Jennifer for her time and coming on the podcast. We had a great conversation. Um, okay, now moving on to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Community Board. So let me just say that this past weekend, or I guess Thursday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 
I was in uh, Providence, Rhode Island for the Titleist Performance Institute Level 1 Golf Certification, and it was really great. Um, I learned a lot. I'm excited to be certified. I'm excited to help golfers. Um, so I think 2016 will be um, a lot of fun and some changes for my practice, um, which I'm really excited about. And being at this these couple of days at TPI, met some really great people, got to sit down with Lenny Macrina, who's a PT, uh, co-founder of Champion Physical Therapy with Mike Reinold um, outside of Boston. And we did a really great podcast that's going to come out in 2016. So I'm going to kind of plug myself on that one. But onto the community cork board, I've got some great uh, stuff for you guys to check out. One is an uh, organization, a company called Body Track Sports, and that's B O D I T R A K Sports. They're doing some really, really cool things, really um, accessible, cost effective, and fun things that I think would be great for not only sports, but for balance, for people with diabetic neuropathies. I mean, a lot of good stuff there, gait training. Um, so check them out online. That's Body Track. Uh, body track um, systems. They were really, really cool. B-O-D-I-T-R-A-K. And I want to also point you into the direction of some new podcasts. So while I was at this conference, um, I met a couple fellow podcasters and we kind of geeked out and talked shop and, and uh, specifications for our podcast. And so I want to give them a shout out. One is the Coach Glass podcast hosted by Jason Glass. Um, He's really high energy, lots of fun. I listen to the podcast. It's super, it's, it's fun. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a good time. Uh, the other podcast is by a fellow physical therapist, Dr. Jim Albury. He is out on Long Island, and his is called the Functional Performance Podcast. So be, for, be sure to check them both out. Um, and again, I will have all of that on the newsletter. So check them out, sign up for my newsletter. I'll give you the direct links. Okay. So before we get to the podcast, I just want to again thank audible.com for sponsoring today's podcast. And for you listeners of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, I use Audible all the time. Uh, I just finished The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, who's a creator of Success Magazine, and it was a great book and gave me a lot of really great tips moving into 2016. And I'm going to do my best to stalk him and get him on the podcast, so fingers crossed for that one. Um, if you want to take advantage of your free download and your free month by Audible, go to audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart, and download your free audiobook today and, and continue on. I love it. I have to say, I listen to Audible all the time. So feel free to, again, my affiliate link is audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart. Okay, that being said, let's get to the podcast, everyone, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. 
everyone. So I am sitting here with Jennifer Green Wilson. She is a physical therapist and the principal of the Institute for Business Literacy and Leadership. And today, Jennifer and I are going to talk all about leadership. It's something she's passionate about. It's something that uh, maybe might be missing in parts of healthcare and in parts of physical therapy. So we're going to talk about that today. So Jennifer, thanks for coming on. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's really exciting to be here. So, like I said, we are going to talk about leadership, but before we get into that, can you tell the listeners where your interest in leadership and leadership in physical therapy and in healthcare, where that came from? So, what's really interesting is I had a wonderful opportunity of working with students for many years, and part of my teaching responsibilities um, was to teach, you know, the business of physical therapist practice, and um, through the process, we were able to start an on-campus uh, pro bono sort of student-driven uh, clinic, and it became a really uh, phenomenal experiential learning experience. And through the process, sort of one of the major outcomes that came out of that whole learning experience was that students really learned about leadership. And I personally, upon reflection, I had five years of working with the students. And after five years, what I really realized is that I learned about transformational leadership from working with the physical therapist students. So, and transformational leadership is all about the relationship between the leader and the followers and how the journey you take together leads you to places that you never thought you would go. So when I started my um, doctoral studies, um, I did an EDD in executive leadership. At the time, my research study, my dissertation, was looking at the integration of practice management or business management skills into entry-level preparation because that's what I had been teaching for years. And it was a, a qualitative study, national study, that was funded through a small research grant through the HPA section or HPA the Catalyst of the APTA. And one of the themes that came out of the research study was that we really need to do a better job of reframing our role and so that we're more than just the clinician. And being a clinician is absolutely fundamental and it's one of our roles, but we have many roles. And through that um, discovering of that theme, one of the sub-themes was looking at leadership. And so that really sort of started part of the exploration. The other part was I was given the opportunity to lead the new beginning for LAMP for HBA the Catalyst, which is and leadership administration. I was just going to ask what that was. Yeah. Yep. Leadership, administration, management, and professionalism. And our charge by the board was to create a standardized, progressive, evidence based curriculum for leadership development. So I was sitting in class learning about leadership, completing my dissertation, and then working with the section and a great team of colleagues to sort of build this whole new opportunity within our profession. And it was just a fabulous experience and now I'm totally sold on the need for um, leadership development intentionally at entry level and in practice today. And how much are you seeing of that in entry-level programs or, or even the, the practice management or business management? Because I know these are kind of hot topics on social media that 
uh, people feel like they're not getting that in their entry level. So can you speak to that for a moment? So one of the things that I, um, and I'm saying this live on broadcast, is I have um, been in the process of um, putting my research study, submitting my research study for publication in physical therapy. And the reason being is because even though we know that, um, you know, through CAPTI, through accreditation, um, we are required to build some of these core competencies in business management, it's not enough. We're still having a gap. What employers are still needing, what practice is still needing in terms of the level of knowledge and skill, we're not there yet. And this is not something new. This has been going on for years. I mean, some of the evidence that I found was dating back into the 1980s. Mm. And I think what's happening is, so the, this research study that I did for my dissertation was looking at the driving and restraining forces, what's going on in entry level, why can't we uh, gain some more traction on this. And so the themes, the sub-themes that, or the themes that came out of my research study, we actually have some role dissonance and we have some role resistance. So what that means is we have a strong identity in our role as a clinician, we have a negative perception of our role as that business person. And so just not really sort of accepting, embracing that physical therapist practice is a business, healthcare is a business, that we will be better clinicians. We will be more effective in practice if we have, and that's why it's business literacy. We don't have to be MBA mm -hmm. students or graduates or whatever, but we have to have some core knowledge and skills so that we can navigate, um, you know, our practice in a different sure, way. Sure, sure. And, and wouldn't that, if you have that education, like you said, in core management and leadership, then wouldn't that make your clinical life a little bit easier because you would then maybe have the skills to implement the right systems, regardless of whether you, you own a practice or you're an employee of a practice, you can bring that that in to make your clinical life a little easier, right? Absolutely, and it's not just in clinical practice, so it's also what um, a, a group of, a uh, couple of our colleagues um, and I, we presented at the Educational Leadership Conference this year in Baltimore. And the piece that we're now talking about is that, so there are some schools, I do work with some schools that were intentionally creating a leadership curricular thread we're intentionally trying to build um, the core competencies at entry level. But what we discovered is if we don't have intentional faculty development as part of the process, so that, that one theme that I talked about, role reframing, what became very clear in my research study was faculty and, and clinical instructors, clinicians, play such an important role in role modeling those behaviors for shaping our future professionals. Got it. And so if faculty and clinical instructors don't see themselves as leaders also, then we're missing we're missing a really big piece. So our presentation that we did at ELC this year was I've worked with a couple schools now where not only are we building leadership within entry level with the students, but we're also intentionally doing faculty development with the faculty and helping them to see that they play a really important role in reinforcing these behaviors. No, that makes a lot of sense, sure. I didn't even think about that, that it so, needs, so, you know, the students are going to obviously absorb what their faculty and CIs are doing, 
And like you said, if they're going to model themselves after that, then you're kind of, even if you're getting that education in the school, they go out and, and they, to, to clinicals, and, and all of a sudden it's sort of on the back burner. Yeah, so what, what's happening is I send a message that as leaders, we're always being watched. And so the message, faculty and clinical instructors, um, clinical educators, are always being watched by students. So we have to model those behaviors. We have to set those examples. It's so incredibly important. So role resistance was another theme out of my um, research study. And basically, unfortunately, what that says is we have apathy and we have naivete relative to the importance of these business competencies as well as leadership competencies. So what's the urgent need? And right now in healthcare, <clears throat> it's very clear we have a leadership gap in healthcare within health systems. There's evidence out there supporting that, not just within physical therapy um, as a profession, but also within healthcare in general. And when you think about it, leadership is all about change and healthcare reform is all about change. So who's leading the change? So it's fascinating. And so I think within our profession, we have phenomenal poten potential and capacity to build you know, personal leadership skills to help build that interprofessional collaboration, to build those systems where we can really drive some innovation, ultimately for better patient outcomes. That's what it's all about. Of course. And who is leading the change? Was that a rhetorical question? Well, I think that we are... Not to put you on the spot, but like in, let's say, in healthcare or in physical therapy specific, who is leading the change? So I have to say that, you know, we're all... Let's talk about physical therapy as a profession. We're all really, really, really passionate about what we do. I think how we go about doing it and maybe why we're doing it, we don't necessarily have consensus. And and then I think on top of that, we also have, you know, that the reality is 30% of practicing professionals are members of the American Physical Therapy Association. So our new vision for the profession is transforming society and we have 30%. So I'm wondering if do we have the critical mass in terms of really facilitating this change that we could lead, should lead, because it could be really exciting for us. And the whole point is, I think this role-resistant theme applies to sort of what's going on right now. Status quo is a little bit easier. Even though healthcare reform is swirling, you know, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of maybe embracing risk to drive change, a little bit of, or a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, we, we like to sort of show up and do our stuff and make great things happen. But leadership is also about really forward-looking, looking up, not just the day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. And so we've, we've got to figure out how we mobilize that new vision. It's up to us to create our future. It's not up to somebody else to create that for us. And so it's kind of shame on us if we miss this opportunity to really drive some dynamic change within health systems, within our communities, and within our profession. Yeah, very well said. I agree with that. Um, so let's go back to um, your doctorate and your, um, your paper that hopefully will be published. Um, 
And I want to just touch back on that transformational leadership, that concept of transformational leadership, and how do you feel that can be applied, let's say, in the school setting and then out into the clinical setting, in whatever clinical setting you may be in. So basically, a great resource is it's um, Kuzas uh, and Posner. It's called the Leadership Challenge. It's their model of leadership. And it's basically what they have said is leadership is about behavior. It's not about personality. So the bottom line is leadership behaviors can be developed. And they actually have identified, and it's very grounded in research. It's their fifth edition, um, 2012. Great, easy read. I use that a lot as one of the top two, top three books I would recommend mm -hmm. because it very, as physical therapists, in physical therapy, we are all about relationships and connecting with people. And so their model, they have um, five practices of exemplary leadership is what they've identified. And it's all about transformational leadership. It's how you connect with people. It's how you... Um, really demonstrate those behaviors of leadership. It's very pragmatic and it applies, you know, think about it. When we're working with our patients and clients, we're trying to change behaviors. We're trying to help them move to a different future. So the same principles in the leadership challenge, which is about transformational leadership and the relationship, it's patient client centered as well as sort of bigger picture systems, you know, formal leadership perspective. And so that what I learned about transformational leadership is the definition is leadership is that relationship between someone who sort of raises their hand to say, okay, I'll lead this project, this task force, this whatever. And then it's the relationship between that person and the individuals, the followers who choose to follow or not. And so again, it's that dynamic relationship. When you think about it, People have a choice whether they follow their leaders or not. Of course. And so what we have to get at is how do we get that engaged followership? And I see that even within our association that sometimes it's really easy to point the finger to say, well, they aren't engaged. And I like to think of, well, I'm going to hold up my mirror and I'm going to think about, well, what can I do to reach out and try and engage people more? Because it's really my responsibility. I don't want to blame somebody else. But I really want to figure out how can I connect differently with people. So to me, transformational leadership is that together you create that shared vision and you inspire that change. And you enable, you help your whole team to be able to contribute in a valuable way. And they feel like they're valued through the process. And it's just such a dynamic win-win-win kind of model. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you sort of brought it home for me with the last thing you just said is that you're sort of showing your value to your elite to your followers but you're also valuing what your followers are giving back so it's absolutely. not a one-way street absolutely so leadership is not about the leader having all the answers and knowing the one path to go mm -hmm. I really like to see leadership as we're facilitators of the journey, facilitators of the conversation, facilitators of the work. So great leadership is about asking lots of questions and maybe helping to direct some of those questions and shaping those questions 
but not necessarily having all the answers. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, at PPS, I don't know if you went to the talk, 10 Mistakes Leaders Make by Neil Eady. Were you at that talk? No, I missed that one. Yeah, he was really good. And, and he's, it, it, you're sort of certainly reiterating some of the things that he had said during that talk. Um, and it was it was a nice talk, and it was very sort of eye opening. And it's really the same things that you're saying, you know, which is, and these are mistakes that I think, and I don't know if this comes with experience, but if you're um, just starting out in a leadership role, I feel like well, you want to be liked, and you want to feel like you have all the answers, you know. And so, well, and so, Karen, I think, I think that's, you know, I think that's probably, it's mindset. So I think mm -hmm. it's also understanding what leadership is. And so I think one of the myths that we're trying to break through is leadership is not a role, responsibility, or position. It's about behavior. It's about relationships. And so that's why that concept of being personal leaders, informal leaders, you know, as professionals at a clinical doctoral level, from my perspective, is we are leaders. We should be demonstrating those behaviors of leadership every single day in practice. And, you know, so again, that, that mindset, I think, is, is really important and really understanding that how you interact with people. So I think the mindset is the first person that you lead is yourself. I think we think of leading means always leading other people, but the first place to start is it has to be about you leading yourself and really understanding what kind of impact you have on other relationships and on all your relationships in general. And the only person that you can change in terms of changing behavior is, is yourself. Of course. So you really can't change anybody else. Mm -hmm. But if you change your own behaviors, then you're going to get a different response with how you're interacting with other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's the... You know that saying. Well, you can't, you can't change what someone else has just said, but you can change the way you react to it. Absolutely. Right. So it's kind of the yep. same thing. Yep. Well, that kind of leads me into the next question that I wanted to ask you, and that is, in your opinion, what are maybe the top three qualities, or four, maybe a four, I don't know, three or four qualities, that you think are essential for a good leader? So I'm glad you said uh, four because uh -huh. I. Have four. Perfect. <laughs> so we I'm did not plan that. this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna push that a little bit. So you know, the first, the first thing that, and this comes up, and actually in the leadership challenge, the uh, reference that I just mentioned a few minutes ago. So these authors, um, these experts, have done an investigation. They've looked at what are the characteristics, the top characteristics of admired leaders over multiple years. Mm. Cool. And the number one top characteristic is honesty. And so the importance of honesty leads to trust. And if you don't have trust, you can't have those dynamic relationships. You can never get to sort of that transformational leadership where the leaders and followers are rolling up their sleeves and digging in and taking on the world, if you will. And so what, what happens is that has to be integrity, that has to be credibility, and you have to earn that. Just because you say, I want to be credible, just because you want to say, I have integrity, you have to demonstrate it. And you have to demonstrate it over time. And that's, you know, walking the talk when we talk about, you know, leaders that really do what they say they're going to do and they model that. 
So people people can tell if you're if you're really credible or not, and you have to earn that. So I think that's number one. The honesty, the trust, it impacts relationships. Your integrity and credibility comes from really understanding your own values and really walking those values. I will say that Lencioni has um, a model which is the five dysfunctions of the team. And the very bottom, it's a triangle model. And at the very bottom, the first dysfunction of a team is lack of trust. Mm. So when you start to think of not only you one-on-one in relationships, just from a teamwork perspective, that trust is so incredibly important. So that's number one. Number two is this whole concept of emotional intelligence, which Goldman um, was really sort of the founder, founding guru around this topic. And the evidence supports that highly effective leaders have a high degree of emotional intelligence. And there are four competencies related to emotional intelligence. I used to think we just had to focus on two. And the, top, the first two are self-awareness and self-management. And so basically emotional intelligence is just how you handle yourself and how you handle your relationships. So that, again, you start to see why that's important. Mm-hmm. So the self-awareness is, you know, really having an accurate self-assessment of your strengths, your not so strong points, you know, your passions, whatever. And then the self-management is the part where you really decide, you adapt your behaviors, you control your behaviors, you know, it's you're really starting to play around with, so what am I going to do to change some of these interactions that I have with people? Mm-hmm. So I used to think those were the only two at entry level. Now I'm more convinced that we have to do all four. Okay. And the next Three, um, the next two competencies, it's social awareness and then social skill. And social awareness, what I believe we have to spend some time on, is really helping people to understand organizational dynamics, cultures, and awareness. So it gets into politics, it gets into power, it gets into negotiation, it gets into systems, understanding systems. So I think, again, at entry level, we need to expose our future professionals to understand how they can navigate um, their workplaces. And then social skill, if you look at the the basic competencies related to social skill, it's all about influence, teamwork, collaboration, change, you name it. Mm -hmm. We need those skills. So we need to develop those. So that's two. The third one is authenticity. And that is really, really owning your leadership style. So there are a thousand, I like to say there are a plethora of leadership theories out there. And I like to translate leadership theories into behaviors. Like what does that look like as a style? And the thing is, you can't be something that you're not. So through this process, well, and people can tell, right? You can, you can see through that in a heartbeat, right? Oh, you can see through it. And so we have to own our, our leadership style, whatever that is, and it has to be authentic. And that means sometimes we say we're sorry, we goofed up. That means sometimes we say we don't know the answers. Sometimes we have to say I need help. And sometimes, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's try this. Um, but but it really and the authenticity again is we get it based on perceptions of others. So we have to be able to be open to peer feedback to help us understand perception is reality. Just because we right. think 
that we are some way, we've got to get that peer feedback. And and that kind of goes back to that emotional intelligence and self-awareness and, and social awareness and being able to to sense when, like, did I just say something that wasn't kosher or did, right. am I stepping on someone and not even realizing it? Right. Yep. And so the fourth thing I would say, and this is this is the big difference between um, leaders and managers, is really it's about change. It's about looking forward. It's about being inspirational. It's about, you know, having that optimistic sort of, hey, we can take on the world kind of um, perspective. And, I, you know, I think that that's, that's what's so exciting about leadership is that opportunity to facilitate, lead, drive change. And we, you know, we, we can't be stuck in the status quo at this point because the status quo is going away. But it's so much easier. I'm playing devil's sure advocate. Is. It sure <laughs> is. Sure is, but we have to start looking at change as fun. Mm -hmm. And and where do you think? So, do you feel like all of this can be easily integrated into an entry level program? Yes, I do. However, what we have to so I tell the story of the big rocks. Um, so you can Google that. That's um, uh, Cubby's story of big rocks, and basically, the story is. You know, I think what's happened is we've continued to add, 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 add to our curriculum. And mm -hmm. so quite often educators will talk about, you know, our obese curriculum. And I, I often wonder, you know, our, our new, our future professionals, their heads have to be smoking sometimes because we're constantly adding more stuff. And we haven't really gone through the process of maybe taking some stuff out. And so the story of the big rocks is basically we have to figure out what are our big rocks, you know, so those big curricular threads that the outcomes that we want to achieve at the end of entry-level preparation, and maybe those big rocks are different today than they were 20 years ago. I or hope they are. <laughs> well, I hope they are. I hope they're different. But so I think, I, I think that's the same process of change mm -hmm. of how do we facilitate that discussion and how do we lead and drive change? And so I think if we approach curricular change differently, absolutely there's a way creatively that we can integrate this and reinforce it throughout entry level. Mm -hmm. And how much of this is dependent on CAPTI and on what's on the test and what's on the, which is frustrating because as you and I know and, and other therapists know, there are stuff on that test that really has no bearing at this day and age in what we do as a physical therapist. So how does that change? And I don't so, know if you know the answer to that, but how well, does that so change? Was, it's frustrating. Well, what was really interesting is, um, so I was actually invited to be one of the keynote speakers for the Federation, their annual meeting this past October in Orlando. And we actually talked about that. And basically, um, a lot of our state boards and uh, members of the Federation absolutely could help us lead some of this change. And that was part of the, the message to the group is, you know, if you required um, some of these, these non-clinical, what we perceive as non-clinical competencies as part of the testing process, then we would have a little bit more traction in terms of driving some of this change. Mm -hmm. And... Even if you think about it, um, licensure, 
and continuing confidence, if they change some of the requirements for licensure, requiring some leadership, requiring some more of this business management, we would be able to facilitate greater that's, change. That's a nice idea. Yeah, like I know in, so for example, in Pennsylvania, so I have a license in New York and in Pennsylvania, and you probably know this as well, but in Pennsylvania as a physical therapist, you have to take an ethics course every year. And I right. believe you also have to take a child endangerment course or a child protective course as well. Um, but you have to do that to maintain your license in the state of Pennsylvania. So I think that's an interesting, that's interesting, taking like a, a leadership course or a, a practice management course once a year. I like, that's a nice idea. So it was kind of exciting. It was the first yeah. time we had the conversation and we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep chipping away at that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because it, it seems like sometimes you have to work around some established entities yes. Yes. Um, and I think that that's a really creative way to do that yeah, yeah. nice idea well done okay um, let's let's move on so so let's talk about your work in particular so you sort of take on individual clients and, and consulting so we talked about all this leadership and how do you go about cultivating those qualities, let's say, in your clients or in your students, and so and I, is what's your best advice for, let's say, an owner of a clinic, a manager of a of a big hospital uh, clinic or or hospital department? So the first person you lead is you. So I know that I have to really um, lead myself um, first in terms of working with clients, and I work entry level. So sometimes I'm a guest. Um, lecture in parts of courses. Sometimes I teach entire courses. I do uh, faculty development. Um, there's one school in um, Denver that um, Regis University mm -hmm. I've been working with for three years. They actually, the College of Health Professions, created a faculty and staff leadership institute. So I've been brought in as the um, external consultant to build the curriculum. And I work post professionally with private practice groups with health systems and a lot of our components within um, our profession. And so basically number one is my role, I'm brought in to inspire, which means I have to bring in energy, passion to every single exchange that I have. And so that's my mindset. I know I'm there, it's very different. So for example, if you and I were talking and I talk to you about this thing called leadership and I didn't have energy and passion, it's very different, right? Yeah. So I know Absolutely. I have to refuel myself. I know I have to engage myself. I mean, I love what I do, but I have to bring in that message in terms of this is sort of the why we have to do it. Here's the need. Here's the urgency. So two is about connecting with people. So not only connecting concepts, but really connecting with people. So me to another person or people to people, peer to peer. You know, how to connect. I might not be the right person to mentor and coach someone else, but I might know somebody else who is. Mm -hmm. So how do I connect that and to build those relationships that are so incredibly important? 
The third thing is really understanding that leadership is about behavior. And so I have to model the way, you know, in terms of um, what Cousins and Posner talk about, that I have to really model those behaviors. I have to bring that mindset to every kind of interaction. And my mindset, so if you have the right mindset, it influences your behavior. So I'm all about the growth mindset, you know, you can fail and stumble, but you can have resilience and you can carry on. It's about abundance mentality versus scarcity mentality. There is a lot for everybody. And so it's kind of all hands on deck. We will be stronger together. Not We're not losing through the process. And being positive, being optimistic, I think is incredibly important. And then I would say my fourth thing is I'm really all about driving change. So some people have asked me, you know, there are lots and lots and lots of leadership programs out there. So why, why is your work different? And I think the reason why it's different is because of those other parts, it's really all about driving change. So whether it's driving individual behavioral change, whether it's driving system change, whatever, I mean, I'm really all about change and um, and, and that's hard sometimes, you know, to drive the change, but I see that as a really big role um, for me when I'm brought in as an external consultant. And what would your best advice be to someone who, let's say you're having a bad day, you're on your way to, to one of these consulting gigs and your car breaks down, it's snowing, it's, you know, you didn't sleep, you had a bad night, you had a fight, you da 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 what is your best advice for people to how not to bring that baggage into the situation? You know, and, so, and even if you're the leader, how do you not bring that baggage in? How do you not come in, like you said before, and be like, hey, guys, so today we're going to versus, hey, today we're going to X, Y, Z. So I think, I think the thing that I would say is um, understanding that we're always being watched so people are absolutely watching how we react to um, all kinds of situations. I think, you know, I've had um, some fabulous, horrible experiences with failure professionally, personally, and, you know, gaining resilience and having a sense of humor through the process that, you know, sometimes these things, I still remember one time I was getting ready to do um, a presentation and the middle button on my suit was missing. And I was running late, you know, I had to get there and whatever. And so I just basically, the show has to go on. Mm -hmm. And I was there. And I, at one point, the appropriate time, I said, I bet you're all noticing that I'm missing a button right here. And good for you if you've noticed that. And, you know, here's the story kind of thing. But I think having that sense of humor, being human, you know, we're all human. And, but, but the show has to go on and it's showtime and I'm not there, I have to, those things that I talked about, you know, the mindset, the behavior, everything, I have to be on. And so you got to learn how to tuck that stuff away. You can deal with it later, but you got to be on. So it's kind of acting, I guess, if you will, mm -hmm. but it can't be fake acting. It has to be genuine and authentic. Right. And that's what I was going to say is it, it leads you back to that authenticity quality, which makes a good leader. So if you're going in and tucking all that away, are you not being authentic? Do you acknowledge it and move on? Do you know what I mean? You know, so I just had an experience not too long ago, a couple months ago, where I ended up having just a horrible, horrible, horrible travel experience story. 
And so I think I ended up maybe having three hours, three and a half hours of sleep before I had to actually start. Terrible. And, you know, so you can, you can weave in those stories and whatever, but you really, it's just, it's my mindset is so important. We all have things that could drag us down or whatever, but I think, you know, especially when we think of every single day with our interactions as clinicians, that's probably overall why we're so powerful in terms of influencing change because people do tend to see us as those positive sort of cheerleader, motivating kinds of people. So it's taking those same things that we're really good at and just expanding the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so this team that I worked with, I actually worked with this team that you know, when I walked into the meeting, even after having three and a half hours of sleep and whatever, they were kind of negative and they were kind of like, there was a lot of stuff that I walked into, but at the end of two days, they realized that each person could individually impact some positive change. So it wasn't about pointing the fingers at everybody else, but they all had individual action plans that they could make a difference. And that's that change, that's that inspiration, mm-hmm. and that's empowering for people to know that they can make a difference. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's what a good leader brings out is, is that they can instill in the people that are following them the confidence that they have the ability to add to the change, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're running a little short on time, but... Um, I do have one more question to ask, but we're going to save that question for thir- for my Thursday quickie. So um, if you have a few minutes to hang on uh, when we end this uh, conversation, we'll kind of start another one. Um, but before we go here, how can people get in touch with you and find out what you're doing? So I will um, give you all my social media contact information, um, my email, I'm on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, um, and uh, absolutely people can contact me and I'll give you my cell phone number also. And they, uh, you can put that right with the whole podcast and right. love to hear from people. Yeah, well, you know, thank you so much for taking the time out today and, and I know you got a little time to stick around. Um, for sort of the after show, if you will. Um, so thank you so much for for coming on uh, coming on the podcast. And this was this was great. I know I learned a lot, and and I, I am really hopeful that this information gets into the entry level uh, PT curriculum and and really gets infused in through our profession as a whole. So. Thank you for thank you for for leading the charge and everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. Have a great couple days. Make sure you tune in on Thursday this Thursday, and you'll get the next question. It's a good one. It's a juicy one that uh, Jennifer and I are going to be talking about on Thursday. So have a great couple days. Stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.